The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. So glad to be with you. Danny Lipford here, along with my co-host, Joe Truini, and we've got a lot to share with you just during this hour. We're going to be talking about some problems with water seeping under a garage door. I hear this from a lot of people. Hey, it's a pretty simple fix. We'll tell you all about it. Also, it's grilling time. I'm going to tell you about a brand new grill. If you're in the market for a grill, I've got the one you might be interested in. Also, toilet cleaning tips. Hey, that's not a lot of fun, but certainly a necessity especially when you have just something mysterious going on in that particular toilet. So we'll check that out. Also, interior insulation tips. When you're remodeling any area in your house, if you can put insulation in the wall, yes, even an inside wall, it makes a lot of difference. We've got a lot of emails coming in and also a simple solution. Joe, share with us a little something on that. All right. This time of year, a lot of people are starting to work on their garden. So I have a really quick tip on how to properly sift soil when you're putting soil into a garden bed, especially if it's soil that you've used in the past, it's a good idea to sift out, you know, any debris or rocks or something like that. So I've got a really quick and easy way to do that. Hey, Joe, I'll have to send you a picture of my wife's, uh, Sharon's raised bed garden already. She has all these things planted. I mean, right. she's worked so hard in raising them from seeds and getting the seedlings up really nice and wow. healthy. And I mean, with a little heating pad under the really? darn seed. Yeah. And oh. I mean, and it's inside, so it does, you know, yeah. it's not cold weather. And yeah. uh, these special um, grow lights that come on at certain times and all of yeah. that, it's like, oh boy, here we go. But <laughs> you're going to, uh, you're going to love it when the produce starts coming. Oh, in I know. There, it. Right? But when you go to the store, I mean, some of these plants have gotten way up there, five or six dollars a piece for just a yeah. small little plant that used to be, you know, 99 cents. So um, every little thing that you can do like that certainly can save some money. But I'll, I'll have to uh, send a picture yeah, do. and uh, show you, show do. you uh, yeah. what, what it feels like uh, down here versus uh, uh, what's the temperature up there in uh, Connecticut right now? Well, believe it or not, I woke up, it was 23 degrees, ow, but it is, ow. it is supposed to get into the 40s. I mean, little oh, by boy. little, we're creeping up, right? We're in the early April, late last week it snowed, um, but I'm in Western Connecticut and we have kind of crazy weather, but uh, it'll, it'll be warm. I mean, you've, you're in South Alabama, so you've probably... Yeah, yeah, I've got about uh, 68 degrees. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. So yeah. Better, better change subjects or you'll start pouting again. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to start sharing with you some of our trending reports. Our social media team um, monitors what's going on in a home improvement world all the time so that we can react to that with our different um, Facebook and uh, Instagram and so forth. And I thought uh, some of these uh, little facts we would share with you, one that they posted recently was six potentially devastating mistakes people make when replacing a roof. Boy, it's so intimidating when you're, you know, talking to roofers and the different options out there. But uh, one of the, um, one of the mistakes that people make is making it a DIY project. I'm telling you, unless you've really done a lot of roofing, you don't want to tackle a roof at all. Yeah. First of all, it's dangerous, right? Just to be up on a roof. It's just, and, and it's the kind of job that if you don't do it correctly, you know, you're, you're going to be in trouble. You're trying to create a weatherproof, waterproof 
coating on your entire roof, on your entire house, right? So the roof is your first line of defense. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways to do it wrong and only a couple of ways to do it right. So, yeah, that, that for many reasons, it's not a, really a DIY project. Yeah, another mistake that a lot of people make is just simply not spending enough, enough time to get several bids. Um, you know, you want to be apples for apples. So you want to be talking right. to roofers that do residential work all the time and are licensed and bonded and insured and all of that is extremely important. Any time anyone comes out to your house, but especially a roofer, that's one thing that's very important. Also, when you're talking about the bids, you know, you don't want to necessarily go with the lowest bid. You want to make sure that you feel comfortable with the person that you're working with and you check the references, making sure that it's right there because sometimes that uh, that low ball looks good and they get halfway into a project yeah. and go, oh, wow, we've got some decking issues here. So those all need to be addressed before that roofer starts. Yeah, and sometimes the low bids are low because another contractor with a higher bid is replacing all the flashing, which he should be doing, or improving drainage around a chimney, which he should be doing. You know, So they're not just slapping new shingles on and leaving everything else the same. Um, the other thing you want to do is a lot of people make the mistake of not asking your contractor for updates. And updates could be on scheduling, on materials, because sometimes when you hire a a roofing contractor, they're not coming the next day, right? Because they have jobs lined up. So keeping in touch with them on updates on exactly when it's, when, you know, when they can start the job. And also another mistake is waiting too long to replace the roof. How many times have we heard that, Danny? Because the problem is, you know, once the shingles are bad, they're only going to stay bad for too long before that trouble starts seeping into the the under the layman, the, the mm -hmm. under layman, which is usually plywood, the, the roof sheathing plywood or whatever it is. And then when that starts rotting, now you got a big job because now, now if they pull off the roof, then you have to start changing the plywood. And then what if the rafters have gotten right. compromised? So yeah, don't wait too long. As soon as those shingles look like they're curling or breaking off and, you know, or whatever, you know, do it as soon as possible. And one more thing is choosing the wrong materials. You want to make sure that you are choosing a good quality material. You want to make sure that the roofing that's being installed does comply to the warranty guidelines. The warranty is no good at all if they haven't nailed it properly, used the right underlayment. So ask a lot of questions, take your time, and it's an important investment, and I'm sure it'll all turn out really well when you do all of that. Another thing we learned in this trending report that's kind of interesting, Joe, is millennials transition from renter that the majority uh, to uh, the majority um, owner um, in 2022, you know, in the right. last five years, the number of millennial homeowners increased by $7.1 million, a million people reaching right. 18 million in 2022. So essentially more millennials are, are trying to invest in real estate. It's getting kind of hard with interest rates and yeah. the things that are happening out there right now, but uh, uh, it's good to see more and more people able to buy those homes. Yeah, and and what's interesting about the interest rates, although interest rate interest rates went up, which made it more expensive to borrow money. Well, what that did is it drove down the price of homes because people fewer people um, are taking out loans because they might not be able to afford them, and so people can't sell their homes because there aren't enough people looking. So um, that's driving down the price of homes. So even though you may be paying more on your mortgage, you might be getting the house for less. Because the thing you have to remember about moving is some people have to move no matter what the economy is. Mm -hmm. You know, whether mm -hmm. death or, or transfer of work, you know, as many reasons people move when they don't really want to. Um, so uh, so that's the one upside is that the prices, and in, in the near future, they're gonna continue to fall on the price of new homes and newly built homes as well. 
Well, you know, it's real interesting always to to read um, real estate facts and information, things like, you know, how long a home is on the market or the average length of time that a home sits on the market because, yep. uh, you know, recently here it's been almost, you know, down to one or two days in many situations. So um, it is changing a little bit and that length of time um, that it sits on there is a little bit longer. That means people are getting more competitive on pricing. So, yes, interest rates going up, but fortunately the price of, of um the house itself is going down. And uh, so hopefully things will kind of stabilize here a little bit. It's been kind of a, a rocky road for the real yeah. estate business. And, and I'll tell you this, I know a lot of realtors and have over the years and, you know, they've had a pretty good little run going right now. Hopefully That's right. They, stock, they stocked away a little bit of that money. I see a lot of brand new cars out there, brand new boats and that kind of thing, which is, that's okay. But as long as you put a little bit back because the real estate market is so volatile, you just never know what's going to happen month to month. And not only do the prices of homes differ from state to state, but sometimes mm-hmm. even from city to city. Mm-hmm. And who would have believed that, Danny, in a lot of parts of the country, homes are selling not only for asking price, but above asking price. You have to start bidding higher. Um, and that was unheard of at one time, right? I mean, you always negotiated the price of a house. Yeah. And, and that I hate to see that when someone is new to the game of buying real estate and you know, their first house and, yep. you know, the, you tell people over and over and over, don't get emotionally tied to anything. It's not closed until it's closed, but right. yep. you might as well be talking to an oak tree because, uh, <laughs> you know, they'll get there and they, they start planting. Oh, we can put the table there. We can do this. I like yes, this, you know, know, and before you know it, you're, you know, decorating the home that you don't even own and somebody else outbids you for it. So, um, you know, hopefully that gets a little more normal the way real estate market should be. So, uh, but Wishing everybody the best if you're out there looking for a home right now. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to try to help a homeowner out with a little bit of water that's seeping under the garage door. We know just how to get that fixed. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. We're so proud to be with you each and every week here on Today's Homeowner Radio and across the country on some fantastic radio stations like WZXIAM 1280 in Lancaster, Kentucky. Hello to everybody there. We want to hear from you. We make it very easy for you to reach out to us so that we can help you with any challenge that you might be having around your home. You can call us right now at 800-946-4420. Send us an email anytime. Todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Right now, we're going to head to Illinois. Mike is on the line right now. Mike, welcome to the show, and uh, tell us what's going on in that garage door you're having problems with. Oh, yeah. Well, if you look at the garage door from the driveway, this happens on the lower right side. At the base of the door, there's kind of a rubber seal that goes all the way across. It's a two-door garage, but I've noticed that in heavy snows or in pretty severe rains, that that lower right inside the garage, I'm getting a damp spot. So it's seeping in some way, and I'm trying to find out 
how to stop it. Well, you know, when you have those heavy rains or snows and it's pound, you know, um, pounding up against the door, um, it will kind of force its way under there. It just kind of pushes a little bit. It doesn't need much of a space in order to do that. Um, I've dealt with it many, many times. We had particularly at our studio um, uh, that we've had a little problem with that, but completely solved it by gluing down a vinyl threshold. And I actually, I bought this online, com- comes in a roll. I just rolled it out, kind of let it sit for a little while so that it uh, would be nice and flat. And then I used a construction adhesive from Titebond and just really put plenty of construction adhesive on it, put it in place, closed the garage door right down on top of it, wiggled it around a little bit to make sure it was sitting right where it needs to. That's it. Uh, it solved the problem completely because the water cannot... Um, now, the rubber strip that you have on the bottom of your door is working with this vinyl threshold, and uh, it completely solved the problem. Also, you may find that your garage will have less of a fluctuation in temperature because it just, like any exterior door, it's sealing it up just a little bit more. Not very expensive and very easy to install. Is that sealed then to the concrete floor or to the base of the garage door? No, uh, it put it right on the concrete. You'll you know oh, drive okay. your vehicles right okay. over it. It won't hurt a thing. And uh, I have one in uh, all my garage doors and the garage door in the studio, all of that. So it uh, works very well. Can I just cut a little strip for that area, or would I run it all the way across the garage door? Yeah, I would recommend running it all the way across. If you put it just in one area, it may kind of hold the door up a tad and cause more of a problem. So it's better just to buy enough to do the whole entire door. Let the garage door right on top of it and leave it that way overnight. Next morning, um, project is complete. Sounds like a great idea. Hey, Mike, the reason that this threshold works as well is that besides working with the seal that's already on the garage doors, it acts as a little bit of a dam, you know, so the water goes up against it. It doesn't really have a chance. I mean, unless you have a tidal wave, it doesn't have a chance. It'll just direct it away. So just put a bead of caulk or something at the very end of this threshold seal just to keep water from sneaking around the end of it. Um, and the other thing you might want to do is put a level or a straight board even on the garage floor right there and see if it's for some reason may maybe dip down a little bit or check the bottom of your door to make sure that it's perfectly straight where this um, other the original weather stripping is because you want to just you know if, it, if the concrete's dipped down you can fill that with some um, you know resurfacer or something like that and level it off. Yeah, I thought maybe the house had settled. Uh... But I don't see any cracks, and I don't see any visible dips in the concrete in that area. All right, good. And the other option is you're going to replace what's on the bottom of your door with a, it's called a giant weather seal. And it's basically a large bulbous rubber gasket that goes on the bottom, replaces what you have on the bottom of your door now. And it can squish down. It, it, it seals gaps up to like two, two and a half inches. So if there is some parts that, of the floor that of the slab that's out of level or dip down, this will fill that. And that might block the water as well. If you go to North Shore Commercial Door, that's one dot com. That's one company that sells this giant weather seal. When I run this, this strip across the garage floor, how do I keep it straight? steady. Well, I, like Danny said, you put it, you, you let the garage door close on top of it and that will hold it in place while the adhesive cures. Yeah. As far as how to line it up originally, I would just close the door, make a, make a mark, a pencil mark on the slab, lift up the door. And then, you know, okay, well, this is where the door comes down. And you can use that as a gauge for putting down the adhesive and then sticking down the gasket, the threshold. Right. Right. Great idea. 
All yeah, right, man. Mike. Well, best of luck to you on that, and we appreciate you being a part of the show today. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay. Our pleasure. Have a great a vinyl garage door. That sounds like a, that would last forever. I have a wooden yeah, one. Yeah. I'm always concerned about it sitting in the snow. Yeah, and so many of them too now are insulated. That's a that's right, a good yeah. thing. You know, if you check check in on a garage door, you may want to make sure that it is an insulated door. It doesn't cost a whole lot more, but it's great no matter where you live. Let's go to our emails right now, and we encourage you to send us one anytime at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Blair in Minneapolis says, Hi, Danny and Joe. I heard you talking about the importance of having at least 14 inches of insulation on the floor of an attic. Our attic only has about six inches of fiberglass insulation. The paper lining or facing on the insulation is facing down, which I understand is correct. That's, it is, that is correct, uh, Blair's way it should be. So now can we just simply add more insulation right on top? And do we have to stick with fiberglass since that's what's up there now? Hope we don't have to remove it first. No, you don't have to remove it and you can add just about any type of insulation you want on top of it. Normally you would go um, perpendicular to um, the joist where you have your insulation in there now. Now there's a lot of options. You can have a contractor come in that is a fiberglass contractor or insulation contractor. Just blow insulation on top of what you have. That's one way if you don't want to do it yourself. If you want to do it yourself, then you'll be using an unfaced insulation. And again, you just roll it out right on top of what you have. And, um, you know, if you don't want to do the whole thing at one time, you can do a little at a time. Everything you do can make a difference. And Joe, as far as the thickness, I know they uh, I know they have six inch, I believe they have eight inch insulation which sure, is, yeah. would, would, would be just about what Blair would need to get that up to standard. Yeah, I think you just need one thick bat. But it's interesting, Dan. I mean, I, I'm sure you had the same response. We've gotten this question a couple of times, probably once or twice every year. I've never really thought about, like you and I would know, like if you have fiberglass in there already, you don't necessarily have to put fiberglass on top of it. But that's a question we should, we, we answer regularly and we should touch on that because um, I think most people don't realize if I have fiberglass, then I have to go over it with fiberglass. That's not the case, not the case at all. As long as you have some insulation, you don't have to remove it ordinarily, assuming it's in good shape. It's not ripped or it's gotten wet and soggy and it's compressed a lot. Um, but yeah, no, you don't have to go with fiberglass and you know whether you do fiberglass or mineral wool or anything else. Long, the most important thing is add insulation. That's right. I'll tell you, you know, we say it all the time. It is absolutely the best return on your home improvement dollar that you can do because you immediately start saving money on your energy bill. No matter where you live in the country, no matter what time of the year it is, uh, that is the key thing. And the, the statistics of uh, under-insulated attics in the U.S. is pretty remarkable. It's something like yep. 60 or 70 percent of all homes simply do not have enough. Well, why is that? Well, People just don't realize the impact it'll have on your power bill, and um, it's it's just it's just well worth it. It's not a lot of fun to get up in right. the attic, and there is you know danger along with that, with possibly putting your foot through the drywall ceiling, which is a very embarrassing <laughs> thing. I've, I've I've never done it, but I've seen many uh, a work boot hanging out of a, a yep. ceiling before, and yep. and sometimes that, it's always in a terrible place. I saw. Um, a home inspector one time had stepped through the ceiling of a large walk-in closet for the lady of the house that had this thing packed with sequin gowns and mink coats and everything. And it was cellulose insulation. So you can just imagine that. And it was about a eight by eight closet 
And uh, that Bigfoot went right through there, and it was just like a funnel with all of that cloud <laughs> of cellulose coming down through there. Man, what a and, mess. Eh? Yeah, uh, and then uh-uh. patching the ceiling, it never looks right. If it's a small enough ceiling, like a closet or about, just tear out all the drywall and start from scratch because, you know, that's really at that point it's the best way to go. Exactly. Hey, coming up, we're going to talk about a very unique charcoal grill that's available right now. We'll tell you about that and a whole lot more coming up here on today's Homeowner Radio. Stay with us. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Fluid Master. Find out more at shop.fluidmaster.com. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show, where it's time for our best new product segment brought to you by The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Now, if your deck or patio is getting a little crowded with all of your outdoor cooking toys, the new Master Built Series 800 Digital Charcoal Griddle grill and smoker may be just what you need to reduce the clutter and increase the fun of cooking outside. You know, this unit is a gravity-fed charcoal cook station with traditional grates or a full flat top griddle. That's Those griddles get really gotten popular. Yeah, they have. Once you fill the hopper with charcoal, you set the temperature on the digital control panel or your smart device and a digital fan uh, maintains the desired cooking temperature. So it takes hmm. a lot of that guesswork out of it. And the gravity feed ensures that you have constant fuel to the fire and it reaches 225 degrees Fahrenheit in just eight minutes and 450 in 10 minutes. So very quick work um, when you're talking about using charcoal. Plus there's a built-in temperature gauge and meat probe thermometer for perfect results every single time. So for more information on this master built series 800 digital charcoal griddle grill and smoker log on to homedepot.com it's that time of the year joe do you do much outside cooking uh well not right now we gotta wait another month or so um but yeah i do a lot of fish outdoors because you can on the grill because we have a gas grill because Mm -hmm. you know you don't have to stink up the house but i don't think i've ever heard of uh hopper, an automatic hopper with charcoal. I've heard them with Yeah, first time I've ever heard it is usually the pellets, which uh, I think think they're going directly after the threat of the pellet um, companies because, boy, they're selling a lot of those. But glad to be able to share that with you. And again, you can go to homedepot.com, find out all about it. Right now, we're going back to the hotline. You can reach us on the hotline at 800-946-4420. That's what Mildred did out of New York. Mildred, welcome to the show. Tell us what's going on around your house. Oh, hi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have a toilet in our master bedroom that has just a terrible dark ring around the bowl. It's right at the waterline. I've tried scrubbing it with uh, every imaginable cleanser, but really nothing has worked. And, um, you know, the toilet's about 15 years old. It works fine. I don't really want to buy a new toilet if I don't have to, but I'm not quite sure what to do. And oddly, the other two toilets in the house don't have this problem. So I'm just curious, is there any way to remove that ring? Well, you know, I've heard about this a good bit over the years, and it's, 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 it's strange how one toilet, and most likely all of those toilets are probably the same kind, same age, that kind right, of thing. Yeah. So it's kind of strange. What, what do you think on this, uh, Joe? How um, Mildred sounds like she's thrown everything at it, but dynamite, yeah. what, uh, what, 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 would, <laughs> what, what would be the next thing to try? This is a pretty common problem with slightly older toilets, and 
And it's caused by, and it's right around the ring. That, that, that was the key that what you said is that the ring is right around at the water line. And it's because the water might have like a high level of minerals in it, or might have sediment that's causing in the water that causes ring. And they actually, and this is a common enough problem. They actually make a pumice stone for cleaning it. It's basically like a, a soft stone is essentially what it is. And, um, and it comes on a stick and I think it's just called like a toilet cleaning stone or something like that. You can find them online. And the idea is, and it's very fine abrasive, so it's not going to scratch up the, the toilet itself. But if you were to able to look at the, the toilet, which is, you know, it's, it's glazed and it looks like, you know, it's completely smooth, but microscopically it has, it's a pitted surface. And what happens is the debris, whatever it is, sediment or mineral deposits get stuck in that. And it gets held there by the water line. That's why it's not below the water line or above it. But in any case, so mm. what you want to do is flush the toilet to wet that surface um, and then lightly rub the, the ring with this pumice stone. And the other thing you could try, most people don't have this in their house, but um, they make a wet, dry sandpaper. It's made out of silicon. It's silicon carbide. And you can use that as well. Super, it's, it's called wet, dry sandpaper. It's black. But that, that's what you'd have to do. How often would you have to do that? I guess it depends on how much mineral deposits are in your water or sediment you have. But if you mm-hmm. had to do this twice a year, I'd be surprised. But th- that'd be oh. a way of saving this toilet. Because you're right. People see that ring and it's like, what's going on in this toilet? But it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the use of the toilet. It's just the water itself. Oh, great. Okay, great. Well, I'll, I'll give that a try. Okay. All right. Well, glad, glad we could appoint you in the right direction on it. And uh, it's never a pleasant uh, project to take on. So you might want to just delegate it. Just delegate it to someone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks so much, both of you. Oh, our pleasure. Thanks for uh, being on the show with us and have a great weekend. You too. Hey, back to our emails here. We're going to uh, grab another email. We would encourage you to send us one at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Mark in New Hampshire asks, we have two vertical cracks in our concrete foundation. Each is around an eighth of an inch wide. Water seeps through the cracks after every snow melt or rainstorm. Do you think filling the cracks with caulk will keep out the water? Well, you definitely should try it, and most likely it will. Just take an old screwdriver and just scratch that crack a little bit just to widen it just a tad and then get some really good um, concrete repair caulk, I would suggest, uh, from Quickrete, and then uh, just cut the tube uh, kind of small so that you can get it in that crack as much as possible and feed as much caulk in there as you can, then wipe it off clean on the outside, and that will certainly be the best step uh, in order to keep that that uh, moisture out. Never a good idea to have moisture seeking in any part no. of the foundation. Especially if you live in a cold weather area like uh, New Hampshire, remark is because you get water in there from melting snow or rain, and it freezes, and it, that water expands, and it'll widen that crack. I mean, water has amazing strength when it starts expanding. Yeah, and if if the the caulking doesn't work, if it's a severe problem, he's going to have to go to an epoxy ejection system. I had to do that on my foundation, and that's a that's a permanent cure as well. Basically, you, it's a special system they buy, and you pump under high pressure with a caulking tube. You pump epoxy into into that crack. And once that hardens, then it's, a, it's probably stronger than the concrete around it. You know, Joe, I wonder if they still have those um, automatic uh, caulking guns, the motorized. Cordless uh, ones? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like a cordless, you know, things like that. I haven't, yep. I haven't seen one of those in years and years. I know I bought one a long time ago. Yeah, and me too. Man, it, it's like, okay, this is almost 
too much. It almost puts yeah. too much caulk out quicker than I can can wet my finger and and smooth it out. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they still make them, and they usually have a the one I, I had one very, very one of the original ones from AEG. Remember, there was a company called AEG oh, yeah. out uh-huh, of Germany. Sure. Wow. Um, and it had a little knob on it. You could actually adjust the flow to high or to low. Um, but, yeah, that's part of the problem. But if you're, you wonder, like, why would I ever need a cordless caulking gun? How difficult it is to caulk? Well, if you're doing a lot of caulking and the caulking tubes are relatively cold, yeah, I mean, you can cramp up your hands pretty quickly sure trying to do it with a manual. Yeah, exactly. Gun. Hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the importance of insulation on and in interior walls. We'll tell you all about it when we come back. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes. Hey, I wanted to remind you how easy it is to get on our e-newsletter list. All you have to do is go to todayshomeowner.com slash newsletter and sign up today. Once a week, we'll send you the latest, greatest home improvement information with a simple solution, with a lot of other elements of content that you can really use around your house. Again, it's todayshomeowner.com slash newsletter. Right now, we're headed to Texas. Jenny's on the line. Jenny, welcome to the show and tell us what's going on at your house. Yeah, so after nearly 30 years, we are finally remodeling our master bath. And since we're going to completely gut it, uh, we thought we'd take the opportunity to improve the insulation. And my husband's understanding is that spray foam is better than fiberglass insulation. So can you just speak to that and maybe give us some tips? Well, um, spray foam insulation, I have it, you know, all throughout my house on the outside walls. But when you're looking at um, soundproofing as well as insulation, um, it's probably not the best from, you know, performance and economics of it because it's going to cost a lot. And and I don't know of a do-it-yourself system out there. There may be one, but I'll still venture to say it's probably pretty expensive. What I would do is the same thing I did on all of my interior walls is I would use a mineral wool insulation. It's starting to be available now at all of the home centers. And uh, one of the brand names is Rock Wool. Um, you can check that out, but it's, uh, you know, it, it's resistant to any kind of mold, mildew, it's fire resistant, but also it has some really good soundproofing quality so it can kind of block the sound, which is, uh, you know, a, a good idea when you're talking about, you know, flushing toilets and showers and, um, you know, noise of pipes sometimes. It can kind of deaden all of that in the bathroom. So that's what I would recommend. Well, so two of the walls are exterior walls. So you would right. recommend this mineral wool for all the walls? or Yes, uh-huh. yes. Uh, interior walls, exterior walls, everything. Because, like I say, the foam, to get a foam contractor out to do just a small area like that, it, it'll be really expensive. And the mineral wool, can he install that himself? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very easy. It doesn't itch. It doesn't have any kind of, you know, irritant in it. And, um, you know, I'd still use glasses and gloves just uh, to, you know, in case any of the filters, you know, anything filters off of it. But, uh, no, very, very easy, very easy to cut, easy to install, and um, you'll be glad you did. And and we always recommend anytime you have any walls opened up in any part of your house, take the time to put that insulation in there. And Okay, so I just want to get this straight. So if he does this himself, it's not going to be a situation where we then have to pay someone to come in and fix it. 
<laughs> well, that we, he is a husband after all, so I'm That's not sure right. we can ever <laughs> give you that guarantee. <laughs> well, that's hey, Jen, great advice. Yeah, Jenny, I, I just really want to say the, the other reason, because this is, even if this is a big bathroom, it's probably a pretty small job to have a contractor come in and spray foam. And would be, you know, the mineral wool you can do yourself is a lot more um, affordable. And, and, you know, again, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be that difficult for your husband to do. Um, but they do sell... Um, DIY kits for spraying foam. It, usually it's about 200 square feet in each little kit and it costs about $400. So Ouch. you'd have to, you'd have to weigh that. Um, right, right. For, you know, for, for $400, you could probably buy enough, um, you know, enough uh, mineral wool to do the whole, the whole house, the whole room, the whole bathroom, not the whole house, the mm-hmm, whole bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if he was really determined to spray it, I guess he could, but I would go with the rock wool. Okay. So, He's going to be so impressed that I've done this research. So good I really for you. Good. Don't tell him you called us. That's Just right. said, Take no, all no, the credit no, yourself. No, there you go. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you, guys. You're okay, welcome. our pleasure, Jeannie. You take care and have a great weekend. Okay, thanks. You too. Danny, she mentioned that two of the exterior walls of her bathroom are, are uh, two of the walls are exterior in the bathroom. You know what they call a bathroom has four exterior walls that are exposed to the outside? An outhouse. An outhouse, that's right. <laughs> and that's where you might want to use the spray foam. <laughs> oh, man, I haven't been in an outhouse in a long time. I, you know, I built one one time. Uh, one of the first things, I thought it was going to be so easy to, right. to just build this, and uh, we tore down the old one, and, right. you know, it's a bit of a, let's say, time-sensitive subject when you, you know, you, <laughs> you, you, you can't take three or four days to build it back, right. and uh, I can just remember working so hard. I mean, I was young. I was probably only 13 or 14 years oh, old, wow. and I had a couple of my cousins, because it was at their house working with me, and, and plus, it's not the, you know, best... Uh, uh, atmosphere to you think? To, to work in, you know. So you weren't you moving this, it; you were keeping the same hole. You were just yeah, building the just structure down the itself. Old, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, and we were careful not to drop any tools in any particular area. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Did you uh, did you have carve a crescent moon into the doorway? No, I was so I was so happy to get anything to, to get yeah. this thing done. Um, and matter of fact, that's the last one I built. So one and done. That's it. <laughs> well, who's surprised? Raise your hand. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> I moved out of out of that area. Hey, Joe, we got simple solution coming up. Give us just a little something to, to keep us around. A very efficient way to sift your soil and get it ready for your gardens. All right, perfect time of the year for that. That's the simple solution that's coming right up. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to today's homeowner radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Quickrete Cement and Concrete Products. It's what America's made of. Always one of my favorite and most of your favorite times of the hour is when Joe handles us, hands us another simple solution. What do you have, Joe? All right, Danny, here's a quick and easy way to sift rocks, stones, and clumps of grass and debris from topsoil. And that's important because you want clean soil, as clean as possible to go into your planting beds. So here's what you do. You cut a piece of quarter-inch hardware cloth. And hardware cloth, if you're not familiar, it's basically just, um, it comes on a roll, and it's galvanized metal, and it's it's got square holes in it, either half-inch or quarter-inch. And for this case, you want the quarter-inch just because it'll sift out you know, stones and debris that's down to that size, quarter inch. Which is, so you take, cut a piece of hardware cloth about 16 inches longer than the width of your wheelbarrow. 
And then on each end of the hardware cloth that you cut, you're going to staple a two by two just to create a handle. So a two by two will be as long as the piece of um, hardware cloth. So you staple the two by two at opposite ends, and then you drape it over your wheelbarrow. And if you kind of crimp the uh, wire, the, the hardware cloth, it'll square up the edges and it'll just hang and it'll stay right on your wheelbarrow. So now you can shovel dirt on top of it. And usually you have to use your hands, put on some gloves, and you just push the soil back and forth, and you'll get beautiful soil come out from underneath it. And all the debris will stay on top. And the other nice thing about using a hardware cloth, then is then you can very easily pick up, raise those two handles, and all the debris will be trapped in it. And then you can just, you know, carry it to a trash can or to the compost pile or to the woods or wherever and empty it out because you have to clean it every now and then and put it back and just keep sifting soil. So that's a quick and easy way using that quarter inch hardware cloth. Boy, especially if you're using some of that soil for like a container plants, you know, yes. just smaller ones and yep. things like that. I actually used this method just last week to sift out some rocks in a um, bag of concrete I was using. Oh. I was using this concrete and I needed, uh-huh. you know, to fill this hole up. Um, actually kind of funny. It was a large creosote piling that had deteriorated on the very bottom right. and it wasn't a structural concern. It was mostly just filling it out. And it was a little too thick to put like, um, automobile bondo, you know, automobile uh, repair filler, you know, just too much for that. So I put concrete right. in there, yep. but when I was trying to smooth it out on the, um, the finished part of it to make it match the piling, um, the rocks kept getting in the way and caused a right. problem. Yeah. So I sifted out, you know, a couple handfuls of concrete, um, and then mix yeah. it up so it ends up being basically a, a sand topping mix at that point. Yeah, it's and just boy, cement, I, yeah, not concrete. Yeah, cement, right. yeah. And I put um I put it over that and kind of smoothed it out. Man, it just disappeared once we put a couple coats of paint on it. So that worked out Beautiful. worked out pretty well. And that'll be featured in an upcoming episode of the Today's Homeowner Television Show. Speaking of which, what you can see this week is called a grand bunk room. If you have grandkids, you know how wonderful it is to have them around your house. But it also can be a challenge sometimes getting enough beds for everybody to sleep in. And it ends up uh, scattering toys all over the place. Well, what we did is we went into this particular bedroom and we built custom bunk beds, two on each side of the room. Then we put some wood, you know, made it very durable with wood headboards and also put a little little niche, little recessed area in so that they can, you know, put some of their little knickknacks in and even uh, installed a light for each of the beds so that you wouldn't have to have an overhead light. You could have an individual light on uh, each of the beds. So really turned out well. So head over to todayshomeowner.com right now and find out where you can see the Today's Homeowner television show in your area. Also, uh, it's available right now on many streaming platforms such as Roku, Pluto, Freevee, Tubi, Exumo, and if you have a Vizio smart TV or an LG smart TV, we have our own channel on both of those that you can see anytime. Joe, it's been a very fast uh, hour, but I think we packed a lot of information in here that people will be able to use. We did indeed, and we're going to keep doing it. We're reaching every week, so uh, get in touch with us. We'll be happy to help you out with your questions. That's right. We're so happy that you were able to spend some time with us during your busy weekend, and we appreciate you listening to this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my co-host, Joe Truini. We'll see you soon.